0: Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. The New York Knicks will not have Donovan Mitchell on their team. He was traded today to the Cleveland Cavaliers. We will discuss all the implications of that news right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. becomes You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. And I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. We are now available on all platforms, and that includes on YouTube. If you haven't already. Please go throw us a subscription on YouTube. I would love, 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 to get up to 4,000 subscriptions on there before the start of the season. Um, and we appreciate your help in doing that. But who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. I've been hosting this podcast for the last, wow, like three and a half years at this point. Uh, my co-host, who's not with me right now, is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of The Strickland, the greatest Knicks website out there. Check them out on social media at thestrick.land. I'm sure they will have... Plenty of fantastic coverage of this Donovan Mitchell news, but let's get right into it. Uh, The news broke right around 3 Eastern time, courtesy of ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, that it was, in fact, the Cleveland Cavaliers and not the New York Knicks acquiring Donovan Mitchell when all we'd been hearing for weeks on end, um, or or at least what we'd assumed because there's some Danny Ainge-driven reports out there that there was a, a, a kind of a heavy market for Donovan Mitchell uh, but at least what I'd assumed is that there was not really another other legitimate contender out there. That proved to be false as the Cavs got the deal done at the price of Colin Sexton, Lowry Markkinen, three first round picks, two pick swaps, Oche Agbaji, the Cavs uh, first round draft pick this past year. And yeah, that was it. And then there was, uh, well, not mixed reports on what the Knicks, final offer to the Jazz was, but the timing of it, it either occurred on Monday night uh, before the Knicks extended R.J. Barrett or the Jazz, if you believe some reporters, uh, gave the Knicks a last second chance to match the Cavaliers offer. And the Knicks final offer by all accounts uh, consisted of R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, um, the Knicks unprotected first round picks in 2024 and 2026, Swap rights in 2025 and 2027, the uh, top 25 bucks, uh, top four protected first-round pick, um, and two second-round picks. Um, The Jazz countered that offer by asking the Knicks for RJ Barrett, Emmanuel, quickly, three unprotected first-round picks, two swaps, and two second-round picks. So essentially, the Jazz wanted uh, another Knicks unprotected first-round pick. Instead of that Bucks pick being in there, there were other reports that, in lieu of that Bucks pick, I believe implied had a Knicks top five protected pick in there as well. Um, and then there were other reports that said the Jazz, on top of all that, wanted another young player. So there are a million places I want to start. I guess first the the human element. Uh, I'm I'm disappointed that the Knicks don't have Donovan Mitchell. I was excited to watch that guy in the garden uh, pretty clearly would have been the best talent they've had since Carmelo Anthony, I think in some ways an even more exciting player because of his at the rim acrobatics. And uh, even though he's not a, a great passer, some of the, the the brilliance of some of the passes he does decide to throw. And unlike Melo, um, except with the notable exception of 2012, 13, a context around him that would have been really, really exciting and really interesting. And, I'm sure, like most of you, I assumed that's uh, that is what we were going to get, um, and and we didn't, and that is is disappointing. It, it flashes back to to draft night where the Knicks couldn't go up and get Jaden Ivey, and, and they didn't make a pick at all. And I mean that, that that's part of being a fan, right? Whether it, it lowers your championship ceiling or not. It's fun to have a definitive superstar. And we can, we can sit here and maybe, maybe a little bit on this podcast talk about if anyone in the Knicks' current roster is on a trajectory to be that guy. But Donovan Mitchell, he is that guy. He's somewhere between the 15th and 20th best basketball player on planet Earth and, and, and a guy who uh, desperately wanted to be a Knick. So that would have been extremely cool. Um, now let's, let's, let's get down to the hard science of this. Should the Knicks have put more on the table should they have not even offered what they did? Uh, if they if they had done the trade that they suggested, uh, it would have left them with a rotation of Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, Quinton Grimes, Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson, a bench of Derrick Rose, Deuce McBride, Cam Reddish, uh, insert power forward to be named later, later and Isaiah Hardenstein. I think that's maybe a 45 win team. I think that team would have a chance without RJ Barrett to be quite bad defensively. Um, it would take some real magic from Tom Thibodeau to have that team as an upper echelon defensive team. And especially in the playoffs, I think you would be in a, in a lot of trouble with a 1 2 3 of Brunson, Mitchell, and Grimes that stand at what, like six feet? 6'1, 6'2, and six uh, 6'5 for Grimes. That that is a, a really, really exceptionally small one through three. So small that you I, I don't I don't know if you see that with any kind of frequency on any other team in the NBA. And that would spell big trouble in certain matchups for the Knicks. Uh and, and then in terms of their flexibility to improve going forward from there, you you give the Jazz pick swaps, which it seems like Based on all the reporting we've gotten, they valued more than the four protected first round picks that the Knicks owned. You lose all flexibility if you're the New York Knicks to make that second star trade that you want. All all you really have to deal is probably Obi Toppin and four protected first round picks. And then you could trade a first way out in 2029. That's not good (laughs) If, if you're trying to acquire a second star off of Donovan Mitchell, and, and to me, it, it basically just drives home the idea that what the Knicks are trying to do here is is, or or we're trying to do, and I, I guess still are trying to do, is extremely difficult to to build a championship team in the NBA. You basically need to draft or sign a top five player, and if you try to trade for one, you're very rarely going to have enough left to to get another via trade. And the lone exception of that, in at least my recent NBA memory, maybe I'm I'm not going back far enough in my mind, is the Toronto Raptors, who did not have a top five player and were able to trade for one in Kawhi Leonard at a heavily, heavily, heavily discounted price because he only had one year left on his deal. He, everyone, it was it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to one of the teams in LA, which did end up happening. He was coming off an injury. He was very disgruntled. People hadn't seen him play. healthy season um, in a while at that point. And Toronto pounced. And despite that, it took Kawhi hitting an all-time shot against the Philadelphia 76ers. And then it took the Warriors uh, losing Kevin Durant and losing Klay Thompson for them to actually go ahead and win, win the title despite having Kawhi and despite having a great infrastructure. I say that to say, even if the Knicks had gotten Donovan Mitchell at a cheaper price than what had been reported, the far and away, the most likely outcome here was that this wasn't going to be a championship team or or even a championship contender in the near future. I'm a big proponent, and I've said this over and over again, that there isn't necessarily going to be that perfect star move out there. And we'll get into this more in the next segment, but this is the, this is the modern NBA. You're going to have to overpay in a star trade. And that was all part of my case for being like, if not Mitchell, then who? If not now, then when? But this was just too much to give up for Donovan Mitchell. I think I've, I've settled there, and and, and look, time will tell. If he becomes, if if he is a, another level in his game, and he becomes a clear cut top five to top ten guy, I I will change that tune because then the Knicks should have moved hell in high water to get him on this team. And, and I say that even with the acknowledgement of the possibility that. We're a little bit too high, and by we I mean both the Knicks fan base and the team themselves. On our own guys, Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, and Quentin Grimes haven't accomplished anything of significance in the NBA. It, that sounds harsh to say, but it, it it is the reality when you when you look at this league from a broader perspective. What do I think about them? What do all of you guys think about them? You're much higher than that, right? I I think there's still a world where Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, where one of them could be an All Star. I think it's very plausible that both of them have seasons in their NBA career where they averaged over 20 points per game fairly efficiently. I think Quentin Grimes, as soon as next year, could be one of the best 3 and D guys in the NBA. He could, he could go ahead and be Desmond Bain, one of the elite role players in the league, full stop. And one of the, one of the most significant reports that came out of all this came from Mark Berman and was, was echoed, I believe, by Ian Begley and a, a number of others, that the Knicks com- were completely unwilling to include Grimes in this deal when they weren't willing to include RJ Barrett in this deal. And that's fascinating on a number of levels. I I think part of it that is maybe being under discussed by the crowd that's saying, wow, the Knicks value Grimes over everyone is that Grimes is or, or value Grimes, sorry, I should say value Grimes over RJ in a vacuum. Part of that equation is we don't operate in a vacuum. Grimes is on a much cheaper contract for the next three seasons. Grimes is he would. He doesn't have the same pedigree as R.J. Barrett. And therefore, I think even if Utah thinks he might be a better player, I don't know if he has the same cachet in a trade because I think part of the appeal of R.J. Barrett was that Utah could acquire him, play him for a bit, and then decided they wanted to try and turn him into another three first-round picks from another team. So I don't know. I guess what I'm getting at is it's it's interesting to think about how this all would have flipped if guys like Quickly, Obi, and Grimes were a little bit more established and Tibbs had played them more. And maybe one of them already was in the conversation of, if not being a a budding all-star, someone who is talked about as a top 100 to top 150 player in the league. All three guys who are talked about as definitive long-term starters in the NBA. Again, I think that, you guys think that, I don't know if the rest of the NBA thinks that. And I think that's where the Knicks really, really struggled in getting this deal done, on top of their unwillingness to go to three unprotected first-round picks. It's obviously a key area where this broke down. But I'm not sure if you have to give up the same draft equity if Quickly, Obi, and Grimes were all playing 30 minutes a game last year, and quickly was averaging, I don't know, 17-5-5 on a pretty good shooting for a full season, and Obi was averaging 18-8-6, 18-8-6, eight and no, oh, that's too many assists, 18-8-3 eight and three on good shooting for a whole season. I don't know if that's what would have happened, but those guys with, with with the chance to play that many minutes with greater opportunity in a different context with a coach that prioritized development over maybe scrapping out an extra win or two, even though I don't really believe that, I think the Knicks would have be been better playing those guys. Uh, maybe this trade goes a little bit different we're going to continue this conversation because i want to get into more into the opportunity cost of not making this deal and seeing where the next go from here but before i do that a very important announcement are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stone what's the worst that can happen you end up driving below the speed limit it's no big deal right you're wrong the truth is your reaction time slow excuse me the truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high you not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high. Get a DUI. All right. With that, we are back on Locked on Knicks. Um, there was a, a tweet from – this This feels like uh, my equivalent of doing the, uh, the Michael Scott quoting Wayne Gretzky, but there's a tweet from – Michael Kay paraphrasing a, a, a quote from Dodgers exec, Andrew Friedman. And he said, with the Knicks not giving up three unprotected first round for Mitchell, it reminds me of a quote from Dodgers exec, Andrew Friedman. And I'm paraphrasing. If you're rational in your pursuit of a trade or free agent, you will always finish third to get that player. The Knicks operated rationally here. They did not get Donovan Mitchell. This isn't to say the Cleveland Cavaliers operated irrationally. I think, For them and their context with the established talent that they already have, this trade made a whole lot of sense. Having an Evan Mobley, a guy with the ceiling of being a top 10 player in the NBA, and maybe some people think RJ still has that ceiling, but Mobley's, I would say, four times out of 10 ends up as a top 10 guy in the NBA. Maybe, I don't know, 15 times out of 100 ends up as a top five guy in the NBA. RJ Barrett. Uh, I'd say 10 times out of 100 ends up as a top 10 guy in the NBA. Maybe that's even high. Maybe it's five times out of 100. I'd say R.J. Barrett one time out of 100 ends up as a top five player in the league. Maybe two times out of 100. Who's to say? Um, But when you have an asset like Mobley, it makes it a little bit easier to go all in. When you have your second and third guys as Darius Garland and Jared Allen, two all-stars a year ago. Allen kind of as the circumstances of injuries and like a really, he, the, I know shade of shaded Jared out. He's, he's a fantastic player, but not a perennial all-star. Darius Garland, someone I think is going to end his career making six or seven all-star teams. The Knicks' second and third guys are the guys we're talking about. They're Obi Toppin, they're Quentin Grimes, they're Emmanuel Quickly. We're really excited about those guys. We hope they could be almost as good as an Allen or Garland one day. They're not Garland and Allen. Cleveland had a lot more reason to be able to go all in and to trade all that draft equity and have confidence that if Donovan Mitchell were to leave, which is something the Knicks didn't really have to worry about, um, those picks are going to still end up being outside the lottery or very very high lottery picks instead of top three to five picks. Now the reason you don't trade unprotected first round picks in the NBA is you open yourself to a Brooklyn Nets scenario. You have unexpected injuries. Things go terribly, terribly wrong, and all of a sudden, you you did a deal where you traded uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to your bitter rivals. Cleveland, I think, has good reason to go all in on this deal. The Knicks, again, they were rational. They had good reason not to go all in on this deal because the end result wouldn't bring them particularly close to championship contention. I don't even think it brought them—if they dealt away RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly in this deal— I don't think that team was getting out of the first round. I think they're maybe winning two or three games in the first round. I don't think that supporting cast is nearly what Donovan Mitchell had in Utah, where he couldn't get out of the Western Conference semifinals. Why would it have been different in New York? And those are all reasons for the Knicks not to make the trade. But if you want to look at reasons that, I don't know, maybe the Knicks should have made the trade, who else are they getting? It doesn't seem like they're going to find this caliber of player in the draft because they've kind of gotten themselves to a point where they're they're on a trajectory of being too good to get a top five pick. Maybe they're on a trajectory of being too good to get a top 10 pick, which makes it a a real long shot, despite being one of the best drafting teams in the NBA. I think we can say that with confidence, that they're going to get a top five to ten player in the draft. So then you look to free agency or trade. So who are the guys who are who are either better or roughly on the same level as a Donovan Mitchell? Giannis, far better. Not going to happen. Nikola Jokic, far better. Not going to happen. Luka Doncic, far better. Maybe in two or three years, because I I think Dallas has done a pretty deplorable job of building around the guy. Maybe he asks out. Maybe he wants to come to New York. But if Luka Doncic is on the table, are you going to beat out Oklahoma City? Are you going to beat out the Houston Rockets? Are you going to beat out the Utah Jazz with 10 million picks? I don't think so. (laughs) R.J. Barrett better be a 28-point-per-game scorer to be the centerpiece of that trade if you're going to go get Luka Doncic sometime down the road. If he's available, and I think Dallas would be crazy for trading him, even if he demanded out, I would hold that guy hostage. I don't know. Kevin Durant, uh, too old. Not going to happen. Steph Curry, never going to happen. Kawhi Leonard, who knows what he is. Uh, I think it is extremely unlikely by the time he got to the Knicks that he could be the best guy on a championship team. Same with Paul George. Uh, Trey Young, he had some comments recently. Maybe. I don't know. Um, he's pretty similar to Donovan Mitchell. That could be the guy. Again, you run into a lot of the same issues with Mitchell where you're building around a, a total defensive liability and, and Trey, probably the biggest defensive liability on planet Earth. He's also a better offensive player than Mitchell is. So maybe that offsets it. Let, let, let's put Trey Young in the category of possible future guys. Anthony Edwards, things go really bad in Minnesota. Guy wants to uh, take advantage of being one of the most marketable uh, players in the league, one of the most charismatic people on planet Earth. Maybe he wants to come to New York. Again, that is an all-time haul unless he decides to take the qualifying offer. I think Minnesota is going to be a 50-plus-1 team for the foreseeable future, so I don't really see him asking out. Similar with Carl Anthony Towns, he's a guy we brought up before. He's maybe one of the more likely guys on this list just because he doesn't make any sense with Rudy Gobert and he will return to the Minnesota Timberwolves far more value than a 32 year old Rudy Gobert in two seasons. If they need to trade one of those guys, that's a possibility. Um, We'll, we'll mark that down. Trey young Carl Anthony towns. You pair those guys together, probably losing in the first round, but Hey, that's the best case scenario. Uh, Jimmy Butler, not going to happen. Also going to be too old. Jason Tatum, not going to happen. Jalen Brown. I could see him. I think he's honestly, to me, the the next target on this list. He is the guy, if he can get to free agency, and unless he makes an all-NBA team and can in turn demand a Supermax, and th- this is an exercise, Uh big shout-out to Jonathan Macri and Knicks Film School. He did in his newsletter today, so I'm, I'm going off of a lot of that. Um, Jalen Brown, he can hit free agency in two seasons. Uh, the Celtics could look to trade him if it seems like he's definitely going to want to be out. But the Celtics are also... Amongst the two or three teams most likely to win an NBA championship over the next couple of years. So if you're the Celtics, maybe hold on to Jalen Brown and you say, whatever happens, we are going all in on a title run this season, and we're going to try to pull it off while he's still here. So Brown's another guy. I I I'd put a flag in. That's Trey Young, Karl-Anthony Towns. Jalen Brown is realistic possibilities. Let, let, let's go through the last few real quick. Joel Embiid, I don't see it. Maybe if things really blow up in Philly. Uh, Zach Levine, maybe. Bradley Beal, Maybe. Kate Cunningham, nah, maybe in a couple of years if things go really bad in Detroit, Evan Mobley, no way, Devin Booker, no way, John Morant, no way, Zion Williamson, no way, Brandon Ingram, small chance. You get any two of those guys that I listed as a possibility, I don't know where that leaves you. It, it depends if, if you can do one via trade and one via free agency, you get a 50 plus one team. What, what all this comes back to again, you don't draft the guy, you don't sign multiple guys, it gets really, really, really tough if you're looking to win a championship. Does the championship have to be the be-all end-all? I don't know. As a Knicks fan, if you told me eight straight years, winning 50-plus games, maybe two bursts in the Eastern Conference Finals, would I take that? That's so much better than anything I've ever had in my lifetime as a Knicks fan. That would be amazing. And maybe that's the trajectory the Knicks are on if they do everything right. But it it all circles back to the point, it's why the Oklahoma City Thunder have been a disgrace to basketball the last couple of years because they want that 15% chance at Victor Wenbanyama. It's why the Knicks, uh, four years back, should have lost 10 more games and given themselves a real shot at Luka Doncic. It's why teams tank over and over and over again And why teams kind of grossly sell their present uh, to buy their future to have a chance to win it all. And the Knicks are not going down that road. And there's pride to be found in that. But what I always come back to is if you want to win really big, you kind of got to swallow your pride and go that way. Or like the Toronto Raptors did, and maybe this is the path that the Knicks are pursuing, you need to have... Incredibly high level coaching. You need to have better internal development than pretty much everyone in the NBA. You need to draft better than pretty much everyone in the NBA. And then you have to get super lucky. And I think that's what the Knicks are trying to do at this point. All right. So let's take a step aside. Let's take one final break. When we come back, uh we will we will wrap up this conversation with what will the Knicks look like next year? And what do the Knicks have to do to make not getting Donovan Mitchell worth it? That next unlocked on, on Knicks. All right, guys, we are back. Third and final segment here on the Locked on Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw rolling with you guys solo. Uh, So where does this all leave us? I think it's pretty clear. The Knicks chose not to give up Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes, and Obi Toppin. Allegedly, Quentin Grimes was never on the table in any of the Knicks offers. If we hold those truths to be truths, Probably butchered that. You got to play those guys. Quentin Grimes has to start. Emmanuel quickly, if he doesn't start, he has to be playing 30 minutes a game. Julius Randle, you got to say goodbye. Obi Toppin needs to play over 30 minutes per game. The Knicks, of, of course, the picks were a significant factor, maybe the bigger one here. But in part, in not doing this trade, the Knicks are staking their claim that all three of those guys are high-level rotation players, probably that they're all starters, and you hope, you pray, that one of those three guys will emerge as a superstar. The only way to figure that out is if you actually play them. There was always going to be a massive, massive cost for Tom Thibodeau refusing to do just that until it didn't matter last season. The Knicks, there's a world where, again, one of Obi Toppin or Emmanuel Quickly averaged 20 points per game last year. There's a world where both of them averaged somewhere close to that. Maybe in that world, the trade is Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, two unprotected first-round picks, two of the protected firsts, and the Knicks have Donovan Mitchell right now. We'll never know about that world because Tom Thibodeau didn't do that. That mistake cannot be made again. The direction is self-evident for the Knicks at this point. Play those guys, play them a ton, live with the results. I don't particularly care if Jalen Brunson and Emmanuel Quickly are a poor fit defensively in the backcourt. Quickly is a far better defender than Donovan Mitchell is. If you were willing to go to war with those two guys, you have to be willing to go to war with Jalen Brunson and Emmanuel Quickly. If you can't get off Evan Fournier, sorry, he's coming off the bench. You, you just scream to the world that you value Quinn Grimes as a future all-star. He's got to play. We can go on and on and on with, with with all of this, but I'm really excited to watch these Knicks next season if those guys are playing. And I think if they're not playing, Tom Vibido is going to go. Or if you do a full season of that and the front office is tolerant of it, then this front office that I like, that I think is very smart by and large, they're going to need to go because it's so clear that that is the only way forward at this point for the New York Knicks. I, I think you have a team that. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be extremely fun to watch. They're going to be unselfish. They're going to have a lot of shooting. They're going to have a lot of savviness. And the floor, if you can get off Julius Randle, the the table will be set for R.J. Barrett to make his first all-star team, to have a breakout season, to justify the faith the New York Knicks have placed in him. And if that's the season, I'm okay with them not trading for Donovan Mitchell. And there'll be pathways forward to get another star. There'll be pathways forward to build into a really good team. It's going to take more than that to win a title, but we can settle for pretty good at this point. I'm Gavin Shaw, and that's it for this edition of the Locked on Knicks podcast. Again, please subscribe on YouTube. Uh, Please uh, subscribe uh, on whatever podcast feed you use. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we, we, we're going to have a cool guest today that we had to bump just to, to get this out, to talk about this, but that guest will come on next week talking about one of the next Eastern Conference foes. I'm super duper excited for that. Um, and yeah, we'll have a bunch of fun episodes for you guys going forward, but until next time, be good. Peace out.